Second Peter chapter three and uh, verses fifteen through eighteen tonight. If you want to turn to Second Peter chapter three, in our last study here in Second Peter, we were beginning to see what God's people are to be doing as we wait for God to call us home, whether that be in death or at the rapture. I know we all want to be raptured. We don't want to die. But that day is certain one way or the other. And the Lord knows what that day is for each of us. Peter has been clear. The day of the Lord will come. There will be a day of judgment for unbelievers. But believers in Jesus are also to be doing something. As we wait, it's not wait doing nothing, it's wait doing something. And that something is what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, We began seeing it here last time and we continue to the end of the chapter this evening. Believers in Jesus are to be following Jesus as we wait for his return. Walking with Christ as we wait for his return. Tonight as we arrive at verses 15 through 18, we're going to see a a continuation of of the challenge to pay attention to your faith in Christ. Uh, The challenge is this. Keep growing. I hope you're growing. Keep growing. That's the challenge for us from God's Word tonight. Be growing and keep growing. Follow along with me as I read 2 Peter 3, beginning at verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In verse 15, Peter says to to count the patience of our Lord as salvation. I want you to back up for a minute and note what Peter said about this in verse 9. Go go back and look at verse 9. We saw this earlier in an earlier study. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He is patient toward you. Jesus came to earth, the God-man, fully God, fully man, God in human flesh, to provide the way of salvation from sins to all who believe in Him. 
until he comes again, people everywhere are being invited to believe in Jesus. To believe in, as we noted this morning in the text, the Christ, the Messiah. To believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Until he comes again, that's our role here on earth. One of spreading the gospel message, inviting unbelievers to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And as long as we're still waiting for the day of the Lord, we're seeing the patience of the Lord. We're seeing God's patience toward unbelievers. The Lord's patience is making it possible for more people to believe in Jesus. The Lord's patience is making it possible for us to keep growing so that we can keep telling more people about our Savior. The Lord's patience is making it possible for us to live the gospel out. This gospel that we say we believe and that here we here rejoice over when we sing songs like we just sang tonight that point us back to the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, those things we rejoice over, the Lord's patience is making it possible for us to live the gospel out and speak the truth of the gospel to more people who need to be saved. That's the Lord's patience. And that's how the Lord's patience leads to salvation. The Lord's patience leads to salvation for all who believe in Him. We've got to be thankful for His patience. That should help us also as a church to focus our efforts on what's most important about our ministry and our work here in this community as a church. That should keep us as a church focusing our efforts on the most important part of our ministry as believers, as God's church, which is making the gospel known. It's, I mean, part of our ministry, yes, is building up the church, building up believers. We come here to be refreshed, I trust, that you come here to be encouraged. I trust you also come to be challenged. And even, I hope you're willing to be corrected by the Word when it's, when it's preached, when it's proclaimed, and when the Holy Spirit takes that Word and uses it in your heart to, to, to help you see areas of your life that you need to put in conformity to His truth. But the Lord's patience ought to help us see what a precious privilege and opportunity that we have in this world that we live in here and now today, as long as we're still breathing. An opportunity is given us to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, to help us us exercise the Lord's patience. Now, what's most important is that we boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel and live in obedience to the Word of God, sharing the truth with all who will listen. Peter is not alone in this reminder to live in anticipation of the Lord's return. That's what we're talking about, anticipating the Lord's return, looking forward to, and um, I think the older we get, the more we look forward to the Lord's return. The younger we are, the more we tend to think, I'm I want to enjoy life on earth and I want to get and enjoy. And, but yet, boy, there's an eternal perspective that we need to have as believers in Jesus that, as Peter has shown us, we don't know the day that God will call us home. We don't know the day of the Lord's return. 
And we ought to live every day as if it's our last for God's glory. Peter is not alone in this reminder to live in anticipation of the Lord's return. He says in verse 15 that Paul taught the same things. Look at verse 15 again. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Uh, there's a little cue right there, that, that, that little phrase that I just read, just as a side note, a very short rabbit trail about the inspiration of the Scriptures. As much as Paul wrote, it was wisdom that God gave him. All right? Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. How? By the Holy Spirit. And we go on in verse 16, just the first half, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Paul speaks of these matters also. This need to be anticipating the day of the Lord's return, living in light of eternity, taking advantage of every opportunity to prepare yourself for the Lord's return and prepare others because the Lord is patient. Paul taught the same truth, such as in Romans 2 and verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness, kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's patience, God's kindness... The riches, says Paul, the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience should lead to what? It should lead to repentance of sins, belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. That should lead believers to to live with some urgency, some seriousness about the good news that we have to share with the world. That's the same truth Peter is pointing to. Listen also to Paul's words at the end of uh, 2 Corinthians 5. So I'm going to read from the end of 2 Corinthians 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. Therefore, we... Who's the we? That's believers. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What's that? That's repentance of sin. Belief in the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then verse 21, for our sake, He, God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's being saved. That's being forgiven your sins and having been given new life in Christ. Becoming the righteousness of God. And And then beginning in 2 Corinthians 6, the next chapter, he continues this thought. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, and then he quotes 
Isaiah 49.8, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. That's the quote from Isaiah. And then he says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We have to live with some urgency. Even though we don't know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, we don't know the day or the hour that God is going to call us home. We ought to live like there's no tomorrow for the truth of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel in the lives of unbelievers. Now is the time for the church to be committed to helping God's children grow in Christ-likeness. That's what we're about as we gather here on a Sunday. You realize that the church gathering together is for believers. Believers are to come together to be refreshed and encouraged and strengthened. We ought not expect all the unbelievers in the world to come to us and meet us here. (laughs) They're not going to. But God expects us to go out into the world after Sunday to meet unbelievers in the world. And as we do our business and as we work our work and as we do our schooling, as we interact with neighbors, we have opportunities to point to Jesus, those unbelievers around us. Now is the time for the church to be committed to helping God's children grow in that privilege and then take that privilege outside these four walls into the world that needs Christ. But, like with many things, there's challenge. I want you to see the challenge here. There's a challenge to this kind of faithfulness and there's a challenge for God's people who are trying to share the gospel with unbelievers. There's a, a, there's a kind of a, a two-fold challenge here. It's One challenge is against unbelievers and one challenge is against believers look at what peter says in verse 16 talking about the writings of paul there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures this is a you you can see this two ways there's a challenge here for believers if we're not careful We could be known for not understanding the Scriptures and looking at hard things and being so puzzled by them that we don't go on, that we don't proceed into further things in God's Word, and we get frustrated and stumped, and we are immature. We don't grow. There's The challenge here for unbelievers is that they totally don't get the Scriptures, and they take them and twist them to mean things they do not, and even believers can be guilty of that. Now, some things Paul writes about here are hard to understand, he says. You ever run up against something in the Scriptures you think, this is, this is hard to understand. This is, I do. I do when I'm studying. I, I get up against things and I think, man, this is challenging. I'm, I'm stumped. I'm puzzled. One of, the, one of the words of encouragement that I would give you when you were reading in the Scriptures and you come up against hard things that, to understand, keep reading. Don't stop. And, and maybe you know, it's fine to study and to dig deep and to try to figure those hard things out. But sometimes the most helpful thing is to not to stop in your tracks and try to figure out that one thing, but it's to keep reading. Because Scripture interprets Scripture. And Scripture sheds light on itself. And the Holy Spirit is good to help you bring those things to bear on the challenging things of God's Word. And so often I say, if you're stumped by something, that's okay. You're, you're, in a, you're in a fine crowd of many good individuals who have been stumped by that same thing. Keep reading. 
But some things Paul writes about are hard to understand. Peter warns that untaught and unstable people twist these hard-to-understand passages to their own destruction. This is the challenge if you get too caught up in things that are difficult to understand and and trying to puzzle them out and figure them out, you're going to miss a lot of things that are easy to understand and that are readily applicable to your life and things that you can apply and obey today while you're trying to figure out the hard things. If you're not careful, you can take the things that are hard to understand and twist them to your own destruction. Here he says about ignorant and unstable people who twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. It's not just the things that Paul wrote about. It's not just the things that that Peter wrote about. It's the other things in scriptures that people will take and twist. Unbelievers, and you know this to be true, unbelievers will twist the truth of the scriptures, will take things that are commonly known about the Bible and twist them to say what they're not saying, to mean what they're not meaning, and that is to their own destruction. This is why believers need to be on guard against those who twist the scriptures. Now, remember, we first started our study in Second Peter. Uh, Peter was very clear about the, the warnings that he gave that there will be deceivers, there will be false teachers. So this is why believers need to be on guard against those who twist the scriptures and misrepresent them, just as Peter warned us about false teachers earlier in this letter. We also must be careful that, that we don't twist the scriptures ourselves. It ought not surprise us that unbelievers twist the scriptures. It may not surprise us that immature believers twist the scriptures to their detriment. But God's people who've been fed the word of God, who have the word of God in their hands to read for themselves, to apply to themselves, they ought not twist the scriptures. And if we're guilty of twisting scriptures, we could be leading people away from the truth. And so we need to be careful that we don't twist the scriptures ourselves and make them say what they don't say, making them say things that we, we kind of want them to say that they don't really intend. Here's the point of this. The, the church is the guardian of truth. God's word is truth. We have a responsibility as we live this side of eternity to guard the truth, to proclaim the truths of scriptures. The church is a guardian of the truth, and every believer in Jesus is to be so saturated with Scripture that we are each guardians of the truth. That when we hear things that are not true, not in line with the truth of Scriptures, that we're so in tune with God's Word that, we, that our antenna goes up and goes, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Wait a minute, I don't think that's right. And cause you to go and search the truth out for yourself and make sure. You're obeying the truths of scriptures. Now for people who have been in a church for many decades and who have, who have heard good Bible-saturated preaching, this becomes easier for us, doesn't it? As you get saturated by the truth of God's Word, it's, it's one of the reasons we gather and, and we preach the things that we've heard preached before. We listen to those things that we've heard preached before is because this repetition helps guard us with the truth. So so important for us in this day in which we live to, to know the truth, to know the truths of scriptures. They will guard you 
from twisting the scripture yourself, guarding you, guarding you from being led astray by those who would twist the scriptures for you. We must say what the scriptures say. And we must not say what the scriptures do not say. And so we dare not neglect the scriptures and their work in our own hearts and minds. Now that's why Peter goes on in verses 17 and 18 to challenge believers to be committed to growing in Christ. Look again at verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. You, believer, are to be different from those who are led away as they twist the truth of the Bible to their own destruction. I think he's talking about, in verse 17, he's talking about unbelievers. You, therefore, beloved. There he's talking about believers. You, therefore, beloved. Believers, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of unbelievers, lawless people, and lose your own stability. You, believer, are to be different from those who are led away as they twist the truth of the Bible to their own destruction. How are you to be different as a believer in the world? I'll give you two ways that I see here in the text. First, you're to know better. You're, you're to know better. Did you ever have your parent um, come to admonish you for doing something that you did? And they said, you know better. I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've said that to my eight children. You too, right? You know better. And then what comes right after that, for me anyway, what were you thinking? Of course, they're not thinking anything. I wasn't thinking anything when I, did when I was their age either, right? But even as adults, if we have uh, friends in Christ who love us dearly and are courageous and bold, might get in our face and say sometime, you know better. What were you doing? So first, how are we to be different? You're to know better. Says Peter, look at it in verse 17, knowing this beforehand, you've been warned, you've been taught, you've been instructed by God's Word and faithful preachers of God's Word, beloved, he's saying, knowing this beforehand, knowing that the truth will be perverted and twisted and neglected and ignored, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't be guilty of that yourself. You should know better. Oh, we should know better, shouldn't we? Oh, we have uh, this treasure of God's Word that we can hold in our hands and hide in our hearts. and We have the privilege of hearing the Scriptures proclaimed and in our worship services together. I've been encouraged to hear people say, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for the, the audio from the sermons that are on the website. What a, what a precious a privilege that is. Not, not just our own church, but we have access to all kinds of good, solid biblical preaching in the day and age in which we live. We should know better. 
We should simply know better because we can read God's Word for ourselves and hide God's Word in our hearts for ourselves. That's how believers are to be different, number one. Number two, you should take care. Take care, says Peter. Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. In other words, pay attention. Sober up. Have some seriousness about your salvation. Have some seriousness about the days in which you live. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy ourselves and that we always have to be sober. But we do need to sober up about life that God has given us to live for His glory and to take seriously the privilege that is ours to have God's Word and not take lightly the truths of Scripture so that we say, oh, that's, you know, that's you know, one way to think about it or that's one way to talk about it or that's one way to behave according to the Scriptures. There are other ways or there are other things to believe. You should know better and you should take care. And so we see here, believer, beware that you don't fall away from obeying the truth because you're being led away by the error of unbelievers or, or by the error of immature believers who are being careless with the truth. Do not be numbered among them. Peter is not suggesting here, I want you to note this, that Peter is not suggesting that a believer can lose their salvation in this passage, when, when it says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of the lawless people and lose your own stability. He is not talking about losing your salvation. He is talking about being weakened in your faith. And when you are weak in your faith, you will be weak in your obedience. You will be weak in your trust of God's Word. Your prayer life will be weak. And I would suggest that you will not be a believer that's filled with joy, but a believer who is miserable. So believer, beware that you don't fall away from obeying the truth. Peter's not suggesting that a believer loses their salvation, but that it's possible for a believer to be unstable and weak and immature and disobedient and joyless and ineffective for Christ. Of course, the opposite of this is being firmly established in the truth of God's Word so that you're growing day by day, growing, joyful, filled with the joy of the Lord as your strength, as you put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the promises of His Word, and you're effective for the cause of Christ because you're overflowing with the knowledge of God's Word and joy that God gives you. You'll be a contagious believer who carries the truth of the gospel wherever they go. If you know the Bible well, and you learn to apply it to your life, and you keep reading and keep applying the Bible to your life, for the rest of your life, you will be stable. You'll be stable as a believer in Jesus. You'll be a stable Christian. You'll be a steadfast and strong Christian, and you won't be led astray by those who are distorting and twisting the Word of God. You'll be guarded from that kind of error. So, says Peter in verse 18, look at verse 18 again. He's closing this letter. But grow. But grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him 
be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The word grow here, it could actually have been translated be continually growing. Keep growing. Be continually growing. There's an illustration of this I appreciate uh, by author Tim Hansel. He shares this story. Let me just share you the story that he writes in one of his books. He says, A close friend of mine was asked back to his 40-year high school reunion. 40-year high school reunion. For, uh, for some months, he saved to take his wife back to the place and the people he'd left four decades before. The closer the time came for the reunion, the more excited he became, thinking of all the wonderful stories he would hear about the changes and the accomplishments these old friends would tell him. One night before he left, he even pulled out his old yearbooks, read the silly statements and the good wishes for the future the students write to each other. He wondered, what'll old number 86 from his football team, uh, what, what will he have done? He wondered if any of the others had encountered this Christ who had changed him so profoundly. He even tried to guess what some of his friends would look like and what kinds of jobs and families some of them, uh, some of these special friends had. He writes, the day came to leave and I drove them to the airport. Their energy was almost contagious. I'll pick you up on Sunday evening and you can tell me all about it, I said. Have a great time. Sunday evening arrived. As I watched them get off the plane, my friend seemed almost despondent. I almost didn't want to ask him. But finally I said, well, how was the reunion? Tim, the man said, it was one of the saddest experiences of my life. Good grief, I said. <laughs> Good grief. More than a little surprised. What happened? It wasn't what happened, but it's what didn't happen. It's been 40 years, 40 years, and they haven't changed. They had simply gained weight, changed clothes, gotten jobs, but they hadn't really changed. And what I experienced was maybe one of the most tragic things I could ever imagine about life. For reasons I can't fully understand, it seems as though some people choose not to change. There was a long silence as we walked back to the car. On the drive home, he turned to me and said, I never, never want that to be said of me. He says, please, Tim, life is too precious, too sacred, too important. If you ever see me go stagnant like that, I hope you give me a quick, swift kick where I need it for Christ's sake. I hope you'll love me enough to challenge me to keep growing. And so Peter says here, keep growing. Grow. And keep growing. Always be growing. Always be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not be guilty of choosing not to change. Can I give you a spiritual checkup? A spiritual health checkup? 
This is a list that's not original with me. I came across it as I was studying, and it's attributed to an unknown, unknown source, but I think it's helpful. And here, I think, is what should be true in, in your life, if you're a believer, to always be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's a, a spiritual health checkup, and it sounds like something your doctor might give you, but this is for your spiritual health. Number one is daily food. Take in the pure milk of the Word through reading and thinking on carefully God's Word, applying it to your life. Daily food. Fresh air. Pray often or you will faint. Prayer is the oxygen of the soul. You need to talk to your Lord about the things going on in your life. Fresh air. Pray. Number three, regular exercise. Put into practice what you learn in God's Word. Regular exercise. Put those things that you're reading and finding in God's Word, put them to work in your life. Put them into practice. Number four, adequate rest. Rely on God at all times in simple faith. Something that I was encouraged with not long ago was was, uh, the way we ought to read the Bible. is We ought to read the Bible like a little child. With simple faith. Believe it. It's God's word. Adequate rest uh, leads to that. Rely on God at all times in simple faith. Number five, clean surroundings. Avoid evil company and whatever will weaken you spiritually. Clean surroundings. Number six, loving care. Be a part of a church where you will benefit from a pastor's teaching and Christian fellowship with God's people. Loving care. And then number seven, periodic checkups. Regularly examine your spiritual health. It's a good thing to examine your spiritual health. To ask yourself, according to God's word, where am I spiritually? Daily food, fresh air, regular exercise, adequate rest, clean surroundings, loving care, and periodic checkups. All believers, we ought to take seriously the faith that God has entrusted to us the Word of God that God has entrusted to us, the Gospel that God has entrusted to us, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not automatic. We must be intentional about it. And it will happen if you do the very things that Peter instructed us to do. Let's go back just for a moment to 2 Peter chapter 1. Keep growing. And you will grow if you're doing these things. Second Peter chapter 1, look at verses 5-8. through eight. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds something like the closing passage at the end of the book, doesn't it? Keep growing, says Peter. Keep growing. So go back to 2 Peter 3.18 again, and look at what happens when this is true of us. 
2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what happens? What's the outcome? It's the rest of verse 18. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. To God be the glory is the way we ought to live, is the way that we ought to look at every day and every opportunity and every challenge that we do not want. Lord, I don't want this challenge, but you've given it to me. You've allowed it to come into my life. So let me, let me go through this challenge for your glory. Can we look at things that way? Can we look at the world that we live in that way? Lord, you, I don't know why you put me here on earth at this place and time in history, but for your glory. May I live for your glory. Keep growing for God's glory. It will be for your good. And it will lead to your joy. To God be the glory. God gets the glory when His children keep growing. I love the challenge that we get from Second Peter and what we have from God's Word here is a good place to conclude the, the series of studies in Second Peter. Keep growing. Don't ever stop growing this side of eternity.